I may, I may be the one that's causing the problem this morning with my microphone. Get a new uh, mic, but I want to say uh, good morning, community of faith, by the way. Good to see you today. Uh, you need me to take this for a second? Okie doke. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, you can, yeah, I can get that back in a little bit. Uh, Matt, I, one day I was walking into, or I was driving into the parking lot here, just an example, and I see an arc of flames coming up, you know, and I'm like, what's going on? The school's going to burn down? No, it was Matt who just shared testimony. Nelson had a, had a welding tool out. He was re-welding all of our, uh, casters on the bottom of our chair carts, you know. I mean, he's a part of our family. What a servant, man. We love you. Really, really. And that's part of it being community here. You've heard maybe over the last three weeks a little bit about community, and uh, we're going to talk today about who that community is built around and how we have access uh, to God in community. One thing I want to mention before I get into my sermon is world mandate, man, if I wasn't signed up, I'd get signed up. If I didn't have the money, I'd pray for it or let someone know uh, that I needed it. I'd manipulate it. No, I wouldn't manipulate it, but <laughs> I'd believe God for the money. We got, we got some awesome speakers. Jimmy Seibert, who is the uh, founder of our overall movement here uh, called, or our overall movement called Antioch Ministries uh, International. Uh, which is located in 80 locations around the world. Its home base is in, in Waco. He's a uh, dynamic, powerful speaker. Uh, and one person that I'm extremely excited that we have this year is Bishop Gideon Thompson. Man, this guy is incredible. Bishop Gideon, uh, he is the um, pastor of uh, Jubilee Christian um, Center. I believe it's Center. Jubilee Christian in Mattapan, and he is a father in the Lord to all of us uh, here in Boston. He came uh, maybe um, 30 years ago from Detroit, Michigan, and the Lord called him uh, to, to plant a church here. And it is a thriving, vibrant church there. And he is one. He, he said, I'm not satisfied just having an, alive, uh, having an alive church in a dead city. I want an alive church in an alive city. And that's his kind of heart, and we're going to hear from him. So I just encourage you to sign up. And if you can't get the money, just ask Ron Good right here on the second row. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, you can bring that back to me anytime you'd like. Uh, <clears throat> the, the mic. Uh, <laughs> let me pray a moment, and we're going to get into uh, our sermon today. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you have given us every good and perfect gift in Jesus. We, we ask you today, Father, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear every good and wonderful thing that you have for us. Lord, I pray that every person today would feel the special touch of your spirit and uh, would be honored and uh, encouraged by your word today. Help me, O oh God, today to help your people make your word clear to us and cause us to be changed by you and to become world changers. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to give this uh, other microphone a try. If it doesn't work, have no fear. This one will come back. Okay. How is that? Giving me trouble? I'll give it a shot here. We'll see how it works. Well, I'm so glad that you're here at Community of Faith Christian Fellowship today. 
Uh, we, you may hear it called CFCF or Community of Faith. Uh, whatever it is, is we are a group of people that are built around a love for God, um, a sharing of our lives together, and proclaiming Jesus everywhere we go, whether in word uh, or in deed. I'm really uh, excited to have you here today in this kickoff season. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called We Are. Can you say that? We Are. We Are is a series which uh, discusses seven of our core values here at Community of Faith, which we feel define us as a people, but don't limit us. They define us and they distinguish us and who God's called us to be. These seven values help us to fulfill our mission statement, which I spoke of earlier, that to love God, to share life, and to proclaim Jesus. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, this, I'm thrilled today to share uh, about uh, intimacy with Jesus through pr- prayer and worship. And so we're turning the corner. We spoke the last two weeks on the sharing life portion Uh, Some of what Matt spoke of in his testimony today, where we share our lives together. We're talking about uh, loving God. And that uh, today, as we talk about intimacy with Jesus, I just encourage you. God has something wonderful for you today. I encourage you with all of your heart, focus in. Don't allow yourself to be distracted, uh, but allow yourself to be incredibly blessed by what you hear today. You know, I realize lately you've been hearing a lot of stories about my grandparents, right? Or at least some of you have. <clears throat> some of you maybe have checked out. But uh, <laughs> this is uh, my grandpa who, out at the farm, you know, worked me like a dog. And uh, he was strong as an ox at 85. Anyway, I want to, if you'll bear with me, I want to tell you one more little illustration from their lives. Because I think it's appropriate today. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather met when they were respectively 15 years old, she was, and he was 14 years old. They were at a party of a friend of theirs, and they were playing a game. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. It's obviously 100 years old, so uh, it was called Winkum. I don't know. They sat in some chairs together and winked. And Well, anyway, my grandfather, <laughs> you know, the predecessor to... Well, anyway, never mind. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> They played Winkum. My grandpa winked at my grandma and the rest was history, if you know what I'm saying. They uh, got married. Actually, they dated for seven or eight years because they were born during the Great Depression or they were at marriable age during the Great Depression and um, they were unable to get married. So seven or eight years they dated and then they were married for 68 years. Okay, and so all told, this couple was together for 70 Five years. Man, they knew each other very well. They knew each other so well, my grandfather could get my grandmother riled up. Man, he knew how to do it, but he also knew how to love her. He called her Pumpkin, right? We, uh, uh, anyway, whatever. But he called her, he had an affectionate name, and he, he loved her and cared for her so much. And my grandmother, at age 92, when she passed away, uh, my grandfather was by her side, and he was weeping, and he was saying, uh, saying to her, Gladys was her name, grandma name, uh, Gladys, <laughs> how could you leave me? How could you leave? He just wept and he, he, uh, these two experienced about as close of a relationship as I could ever imagine that two people had, uh, could have in life, 75 years, right? I got married at 36, 75, oh no. Well, anyway, I may not make it, I may, but, um, you know, many of us though have blurred views of what real and true intimacy is. 
We have we have views that um, uh, that are mixed <laughs> views that we don't understand. For for many of us, uh, we haven't seen very many close and intimate relationships that have functioned properly uh, in a way of getting good, better, and best uh, along the way. And, um, you know, a lot of our views on intimacy um, have been, uh, well, in our modern society, a lot of our intimacy has been replaced at times with digital substitutes, right? We all have a digital substitute in our hands. It's called... uh, I don't know. It's called a Samsung Galaxy or an iPhone or whatever you may want to call it, or your um, uh, <clears throat> your internet access on your computer. There are different things: chat rooms, uh, you know, Instagram. I'm not saying these things are per se bad, but I'm saying that many times we 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 opt out for the easier and less intimate route, but we call that intimacy in some form or fashion. Interestingly enough. Um, one example of replacing intimacy with a digital substitute is described by a man named Robert Weiss. He's the founding, founding director of Sexual Recovery Institute in an article on uh, intimacy disorders. <laughs> I would say uh, we could all pay attention to that around here uh, in the United States. Having fun out there. Good. Have at it. That's how I want you to be by the time I finish this sermon. That thrilled all of you running out, just screaming. <clears throat> anyway. But anyway, Dr. Weiss, who, or Robert Weiss, the founding director of Sexual Recovery Institute, says this. The majority of the men we see in treatment, again, this is for sexual, I mean, I'm sorry, this is for relational um, and intimacy disorders. The majority of the men we see are between the ages of 35 and 55 Although the numbers have skewed younger recently, mainly because of pornography. I'm getting 25-year-old guys who've been looking at hardcore porn on the internet since they were 15, and now they say they have trouble with relationships. The reason for this is their expectation of sexuality is based off unrealistic imagery that produces an unnatural intensity. It's like drugs. Nobody enjoys the little things like smelling flowers if they're doing a lot of cocaine, because why bother? Smelling a flower releases a small uh, amount of dopamine, the brain chemical that makes us feel good, whereas cocaine releases a veritable tsunami of dopamine. So who needs flowers when you've got cocaine, and who needs relationship when you've got hardcore porn? Okay, that's just one example. I'm sorry to be so blunt with you today, but there are many different ways that we've had substitutes in our society for true intimacy. But what I want to talk about today, um, well, as we see from here, that our society has a major problem (laughs) with understanding true intimacy. Um, It's been breaking down, but I praise God that from all of eternity, it's, it's been being made right by our God. And uh, I want to give you hope today. This is not a hopeless talk today. This is a, a talk that I hope would empower you and infuse you with hope. The dictionary describes intimacy as a close, familiar, and affectionate personal. Okay? Say that word. Personal relationship. Right? However many friends you have on Facebook... That's not true intimacy. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying true intimacy is a close, intimate, personal relationship. And uh, another way I've seen uh, intimacy described is intimacy equals talk plus time plus togetherness. 
talk plus time plus togetherness. To be really intimate with someone requires face-to-face contact, right? Remember that word, face-to-face. You're going to see it all day today, uh, as I, or all day through this talk as I, as I talk about the Lord. Face-to-face contact, time spent together, and a togetherness of spirit and of purpose. Today, I want to look at the Bible. It's a good thing to look at. We believe in the Bible. We're going to talk later about it being uh, the inspired Word of God that is applicable for our everyday and, and is useful for training in righteousness. We want to look at the Bible today, and I want to um, discuss and look at how mankind forfeited true intimacy with God and how God got it back for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and offered it up on a silver platter, so to speak, that we might know God in true righteousness and with true intimacy. Are you ready to look at the Bible today a little bit? If you have uh, your Bible app, you can look behind me. You can look on your actual Bible, (laughs) Uh, whatever you'd like. Let's look here today. So um, today I want to look at... uh, God's design for true intimacy. God, God's original design for uh, mankind was to enjoy intimacy with Him. And we've described that, right? Intimacy. It's face-to-face contact. It's time spent together. And it's a togetherness of spirit and of purpose. So God's original intent was that. For mankind to enjoy face-to-face communication and communion with Him and to have a togetherness of spirit and purpose. The, the type of intimacy, uh, this is the type of intimacy God created. We're going to look at a set of passages today to follow this process into the brokenness and out of the brokenness. But we're going to look at two main figures in the Bible. Uh, and um, they are from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, that part of the Scripture, uh, which is 39 books. We're going to look at lawgiver, Moses, the one who received the law from God, which was a covenant which was established for relationship, right? And then we're going to look at the ultimate intimacy intimacy restorer, Jesus. We're going to look at the life of Jesus and how that intimacy was restored. And before you think, oh, I probably already heard this before, think again. You see, because we need to think Uh, It's not how much we've heard something, but how much has it impacted our hearts? How much has it changed our lives? I believe your life's going to get changed today. So face-to-face intimacy was originally initiated in the Garden of Eden, and it was broken there. Okay? It was initiated, and it was broken. Yes, in Genesis. Let's look here. Genesis chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9 says this. Then the man and his wife, that's Adam and Eve... Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? He called out, right? It didn't say he whispered. Sorry. He called out because his heart was broken. <laughs> but the, So here we are. We're at the place in the scripture here where Adam and Eve had been placed in the garden. Okay? And they've been told by God they can enjoy everything but that one tree. They, for God to put him under his authority and bring them into protection and obedience. Um, he did that. But they disobeyed God. So this is immediately following it. And why I want to read this particular passage is you can see 
In this passage, the brokenness, but you can also see what they enjoyed. It says he, they heard the sound of his footprint, of his footsteps as he walked through the garden. That's intimacy. They heard the voice of the Lord saying, where are you? You see, this is something that was broken uh, in the garden. But you see, God was not initially, and nor did He intend to be a distant deity. Right? A distant deity. But He intended to be an intimate friend. See, God didn't just create us so He could look at us, you know, like little toys or little little uh, puppets and, and just, you know, look at what we're doing. God created us, the great one, the good one, in order to have an intimate, personal relationship with us. And He wanted to share with us. Why, why didn't God just name all the animals? Because He wanted an intimate, personal friendship with man. Empowering man to create something of the world that He had created. So Adam had named all the animals. So we see here, intimate relationship with God in the garden, no problem. They heard His footsteps. They heard His voice. It was face-to-face. Intimate relationship. Oh, my heart breaks to think of it being broken. But my heart's getting healed as I keep going through this message today. Face-to-face intimacy with God was shunned by mankind when Moses received the law. So uh, several hundred years later, many hundreds of years later, uh, even thousands or thousands, um, Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he was on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he was receiving from God the law. What was the law? The law was, was a set of relational <laughs> um, uh, uh, ways that mankind could relate to God in this broken system, in this broken state. It was God initiating with mankind. Not to judge him, man had already fallen under judgment, but in order to initiate a relationship with him. And uh, here, let's read in uh, Exodus chapter 20, 18, 19, and 21, of how mankind shunned the, the relationship with God, okay? When Moses received the law, the old covenant. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet sound and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, Moses, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. You see, while Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments from God, the people were afraid of God. People, mankind, no longer had a desire for intimate relationship with God. God was, unfortunately, due to sin, God became the distant, fearful deity. But I can guarantee you today, that was a distortion of the true view of what God had. There was a desire for a safe distance. And we've been doing it ever since. A safe distance between man and God. To have someone else pray to God for us. To have someone else deal with God. I want to stay a safe distance. And it's interesting if you look here. If you catch the phrase in verse 21. The people remained at a distance. The people remained at a distance. Right? Adam and Eve remained at a distance. Uh, covered with shame because of their their choice to disobey God. The people remained at a distance from God. God was initiating relationship. They said, don't even have God talk to us. 
You see the brokenness there. But let's continue following. Face-to-face intimacy with God was enjoyed by a very few. <laughs> let's look here in Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. Moses is up on the mountain. And it says, well, this is before Moses goes to the mountain. It says, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Whenever, with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You see, Moses, the leader of Israel, had a relationship face to face with God through faith. Moses had faith. Moses chose to understand, to turn away from his sin and turn to God. And turn to God. And the relationship with God and man um, was, was operating by faith. So Moses had it. But if you'll notice here something interesting. The people of Israel stood. So Moses took this tent and he pitched it out there somewhere around Nick or James back there, right? So they're back there. Moses is over at the tent meeting with God. The pillar that, that went with the people of Israel came representing God's presence. And Moses spoke face to face with God. Now, the interesting thing there is this. The people stood at the entrance to their tents and looked. And all the people could do is wonder, what would an intimate relationship with God be like? Moses got to have it. They didn't have it. Moses told them rules. It says scripturally that Moses knew the ways of God. The people of Israel only knew his acts. They saw what he did, but they didn't know his intimate ways. Well, I'm here to tell you today, God's not content with you just knowing his acts. He wants you to know his ways. He wants you to know him. And so we'll go on here from here. So face-to-face intimacy was broken. It was shunned. And it was ultimately appreciated by a very few. The leaders of Israel operated by faith and had a face-to-face. You saw that word there, right? God spoke face-to-face as a man with his servant. No. As a man with his friend. Oh, 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 I'm about not to be able to preach. So excited. I just want to, well, okay. Anyway, I will focus. Face-to-face intimacy with God will follow it along. Was shielded from other people. Okay? You got to catch this. Just stick with me. I know it's a lot of scripture, but man, it's good. Better than whatever you've been reading uh, or and I've been reading <laughs> in different places. Exodus 34, 29 and 30 and 30, 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. 
When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with them, with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had commanded, they saw his face was radiant. Then Moses put the veil back over his face until he went and spoke to the Lord. So there seemed to be a period of time where the radiance was able to be seen. But, but in general, mankind could not handle the, the presence and the glory of the Lord that was upon Moses' face. Moses spoke with God and Moses reflected God, but it was covered. So it was veiled, okay? So not only had man been broken from God, but the, the, those that did relate to God had to veil, <laughs> Moses had to veil himself because people were still operating under an old principle, God the distant deity that I have to perform for. But I praise God, good stuff's coming. God promised, right, face-to-face intimacy would be restored. I'm not going to go into the scripture, but in Jeremiah 31 and verses 31 through 34, there's a promise. The prophet Jeremiah is speaking to Israel and saying, hey, you guys, (laughs) you've blown it. You've You've rebelled against God and ultimately destruction is coming. But in the middle of this prophecy, don't you like God? (laughs) <laughs> in the middle of this prophecy where Moses, um, where, where Jeremiah is prophesying really a, a doom that would ultimately be returned, I mean, restored, uh, um, uh, <clears throat> he said this, no longer, there's going to come a time when no longer will a man teach his neighbor nor someone his friend saying, know the Lord, but they will all know me. Can you see God? They will all know me like I originally intended it from the least to the greatest. They will all know me. See, there was a promise. It's always been in the heart of God. There was a brokenness, but there was a blessedness coming. Oh, now it's getting good. Gear up. God promised it. And you know what God promises? He fulfills. It says scripturally that all the promises of God made to the house of Israel came to pass. Not one of them failed. Oh, if God's promised you something and he's promised us intimacy, he's not failed. Jesus restored intimacy and removed the veil between God and mankind. Let's look in Matthew 27, 45 through 53. From noon, see Jesus is on the cross. Our Lord and Savior is suffering and dying for the sake of your sin and mine. And Jesus was on the cross from noon until three in the afternoon. Darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on his staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You see, there was another veil. There was another veil 
that represented separation of man from God. It was in the temple that God initiated. When God gave the law to the Israelites, He gave them a temple with its sacrifices and forms of worship in order for man to draw near to God. Was it the ideal situation? No, and God knew the ideal situation was coming. But it was a type of what God does in heaven. And so this in this um, situation with the temple, there was a series of courts when you came to worship God in the, in the nation of Israel in Moses' time and following before the time of Jesus. And so there was the court of the Gentiles. So the Gentiles, those who were not Jews. Any Gentiles out there? I'm in. Uh, <clears throat> the Gentiles could come so far, right here. That's as close as they could come. I don't know exactly, but you get my point, right? Hey, but the the Jews could get closer. But sorry, women, you can only get a little bit closer. This close. And then the men could get this close. And then the priests could get even closer. And there, But there was a veil which was between the holy place and the most holy place. You see, what was in the most holy place? It was the Ark of the Covenant which held the law that was given to Moses, which represented relationship with God. It was an imperfect set of relationship. It was the law, which was imperfect. Jesus was perfect, and he came. But at one time a year, the high priest was able to enter through this curtain and to commune face to face with God. When Jesus cried out, Ah! However he did. On the cross, the, it says the curtain rent in two from top to bottom. You know what that means? Open access to God forever past, forever future, for every one of us who chooses to have relationship with God through Jesus. No more. I don't have to be the high priest. The high priest died for me. And I get to have relationship with God through Jesus. Unfettered access into His presence at all times. How does it operate? By faith. And I'll get into that in just a second. Don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm, I'm going uh, to... It's now available for all who call on the name of Jesus. The way for relationship with God is made for those who turn from their sin and turn to Jesus. And here's where it's good. Face-to-face intimacy is now available for all who call on the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all... All, meaning all women, all men, all Gentiles, all Jews, all who will call on the name of the Lord. And we all who with unveiled faces, right, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This means that that which Adam and Eve enjoyed in the Garden of Eden, that which Moses enjoyed by faith, this face-to-face intimacy with God was made available to every single one of us who would place our faith in Jesus. The way it was supposed to be is the way it is. God no longer had to hide His glory, though. This is the interesting thing. So like Moses, by faith, we can have access to God. But unlike Moses, we can shine His glory around us. No longer, because mankind, this is the season, the day, and the new covenant. We can gaze on the beauty of the Lord through Jesus. And we go out to our community, and we can just unveil the glory of God before other people. We become, what's the word I said? Glory reflectors.
glory reflectors to the rest of the world. This is what Christ Jesus looks like. And it's, it's, uh, I, I can, okay. Anyway, but the last thing I'm not going to read it, but read revelation 21, one through four. We will eventually enjoy face-to-face intimacy with God for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Right now, we're able to enjoy Him by faith, right? Do I see Jesus every morning I get up and I, you know, I get my cup of coffee and Jesus is bodily sitting next to me because I'm Jeff, you know? No. People have seen Jesus. Paul the Apostle saw Jesus. People have seen and currently do see, but it's an extremely rare event to see him physically. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm more assured than ever that I have access to God through Jesus. I'm more assured than ever. I have got a back row, back, whatever you call it, uh, in there. If you go to a concert, you know, (laughs) what? Backstage. Thank you, back row. Oh, back row pass. What a drag. I'm getting out of here. Back row pass. (laughs) You might have a back row pass. Uh, No. (laughs) You get a backstage pass. The king of all kings, the lord of all lords has passed this way. And he's saying, come on back and fellowship with me. Come on back and sup with me. You know, I don't know what they bring all these, these, uh, these singers, you know. Uh, back to their backstage. It might be nice. It might be caviar. But man, I, I don't know. Jesus has a feast for you and me every day. We have access to that presence. You're saying, well, why aren't you talking about prayer and work? It's the intimacy piece. If you know you can have intimacy, you're going to be praying. <laughs> you're going to be worshiping. That takes care of itself. You have no boundary to God if. You have personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is the access pass to God forevermore. Praise His holy and precious and glorious and fantastic and wonderful and good and great name. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the people of God now have access. Uh, we have access by faith. I want to just say real quickly, we have access by faith. We have that pass in the spirit, that backstage pass. It's actually the front row pass. You are here with Jesus. I have no more. This should be encouraging to you or discouraging. I don't know. I, Jeff Bianchi, have no more access to Jesus than you do. None. But I have all the access in the world. (laughs) That's the great thing. I got no less than you do, which is everything. The veil rent for all of eternity. He tore the veil. He made the way when he said that it is done. Man, I'm not going to sit around on this earth and just uh, be distant with some deity. I'm going to know him by faith. Do I always feel goosebumps? No, I rarely feel goosebumps. But my bumps are goosing. Man, in the faith that God is good and he is here and he and I see him in his glorious goodness. Okay, I'm getting getting a little sloppy. Okay. So don't depend on your feelings. You have access if you've received Christ. Okay, let's move forward and close up soon. We do it through praise and worship. I do get to this point, right? This is the second thing, but it's 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 just this is just icing on the cake. 
Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, enter his gates, right? You see the temple? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Well, there you go. We enter through praise and worship. You see the imagery of the temple here where you're allowed, you are only allowed to enter to a certain point. We have access to the most holy place with God. And intimacy with Jesus uh, is through prayer and worship. Let me just explain real quickly to you. Uh, We pray. What is that? It's talking to and listening to a God who is unveiled from us. It's talking to and listening to a God who has drawn near to us. Well, I just don't feel near to God. Well, Jesus bled and died and poured his blood out on a cross so that you could be near to him. That's a fact for you today. Praise his name. But prayer and singing are a part of it. We enter in. It is unnatural. It says it is fitting for the upright to praise him. That's just natural. Praise you, Jesus. And um, giving him thanks and praying and communicating. But that's not the only part of it. Prayer and singing are a portion of how we have face-to-face intimate relationship with God. We also, we're going to talk next week about the word of God. About the Bible. We just went through a little bit of it today. And you can see how intimate, you feel a little more intimate with God. I didn't come as much through my emotion, I believe, as the Word of God spoken to your heart that enlightened you to Him. And um, so, let me finish here. The bottom line of this value in intimacy with Jesus through prayer and worship for us is not that it's something that we have to earn. Jesus earned our intimacy with Him at the cross. Enter in and enjoy. Enter in and enjoy. You got a heavy heart? Enter in. Give that heavy heart to Him and, and enjoy Him and let Him take you. For those of you who are just starting your faith journey that are here, I want to encourage you that Jesus is offering you an all-access pass to God. It's all-access There's no thing that you have to earn or deserve. You have, you need, if you've never done it, to confess and admit that you are a sinner and that you cannot do enough good things or good works to re-initiate relationship with God. That He, Jesus Christ, the God-man, died and took your place, took your punishment, took my punishment on Himself on the cross and rose again. And to those of you who will say, as I've said, as many in this room have said, God, I repent. I turn away from my sin. I admit I'm a sinner. And I choose to place my faith in you. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. I'm going to follow you as my Lord and my Savior the rest of my life. You can have a relationship with Him. My son, Jude, received Jesus four, four, about four weeks ago, three weeks ago. He's four years old. It's interesting, right? He, he said the other day, he's, uh, he said, what's righteous? Because we go over Psalm chapter 1. And I said, righteous is those who love God and obey Jesus. He said, we are righteous. I said, yes, but we don't always do right. And I said, yes, that's true. That's what we're learning to. So we're not talking about perfection, but you coming in faith to Jesus Christ where he can begin changing you internally to become who you really are at the moment you receive him. And then I want to say this for those of you who are believers in Jesus in this room. Christians is one term for that. I want to challenge you not to settle for less than what has God has available for you. Let's press on to enjoy intimacy with Jesus in prayer, worship in our daily lives, and let's shine this goodness to the world around us. Let's get, uh, let's with unveiled faces enjoy. It says, behold, contemplate. 
I do that morning by morning. I think about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We contemplate Him, and then we go and we shine it out to a world that's needing and say, come on in to the party. God is good. Our city needs to see a people who live in intimacy with God and share that intimacy with others. If we'd all get hold of the idea, I believe that God's glory in our lives would speak for itself, and I believe it will. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you as our good and gracious Savior. We thank you that you have made way for intimacy with you, God, through faith in Jesus Christ. We love you, and I pray today, if there's anyone that does not know you, Jesus, does not have a personal relationship with you, that they would come to know you. They would come to honor you. They would come to praise you uh, with all their hearts. We love you and praise you. Thank you, Jesus, that you did, uh, you, uh, did that which we could never do. And we enter in in you. In Jesus' name, amen.